Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski. Your time is valuable and so is mine. This is why I am recording a series of brief episodes focused on a singular clinical entity that you will hopefully be able to get through very quickly. And this episode is focused on ovarian torsion, which is a rare but can't miss cause of lower abdominal pain and vomiting in females. So what happens? Well, the ovary twists on its supporting structures. Initially, this causes occlusion of lymphatic and venous drainage. And remember, in contrast to the testicle, the ovary gets blood supply from two sources, the ovarian and uterine arteries. So the ovarian artery will be compromised, especially with increased engorgement and swelling, but you still might see arterial flow on the ultrasound because of that uterine blood supply. More than half of the time, in fact, almost two-thirds of the time, the ovary that torsed had no obvious pathology. So no obvious cause. There wasn't a cyst or anything like that. If you do have a mass or cyst, something that's greater than five centimeters increases the risk significantly. Overall, only about one out of every seven ovarian torsion cases are seen in children and adolescents. And interestingly, the peak age range in kids is between 9 and 14 years. You will see it in neonates, but that happens in utero, and it's not something that you're regularly going to diagnose in the pediatric emergency department. So, what's the classic clinical presentation? Well, often you get sudden onset of severe unilateral abdominal pain that is constant. This is also what happens, at least initially, with a hemorrhagic cyst, or sometimes worsening appendicitis, or a kidney stone that got stuck. The pain can sometimes, though, be intermittent, as the ovary can torse and detour spontaneously. Vomiting can occur with the pain, and happens in about 60% of patients, and the younger the kid is, the more difficult it is to diagnose. So you often have to have a high index of suspicion. So appies and ovarian torsions overlap in the presentation and workup, and so often you're looking for them simultaneously. So when you do an ultrasound, which is actually the best way to look at the ovaries, you'll probably look at the appendix at the same time. A trans-abdominal ultrasound to look for ovarian torsion needs a full bladder. That bladder serves as an acoustic window to get a better look at the retroperitoneal organs. You could also do a trans-abdominal ultrasound for appy and then a transvaginal ultrasound to look at the ovaries. This is obviously time-saving because you don't have to wait for the bladder to be full, but it is only viable in patients that use tampons, have had a prior pelvic exam with speculum, or who are sexually active and comfortable with this imaging modality. Remember the time is testicle thing? Well, prolonged symptoms don't predict poor outcome nearly as well in ovarian torsion as they do in testicular torsion. So salvage rates are equal to oophorectomy rates despite patients with symptoms of 48 or 72 hours. Certainly, though, you want to make the diagnosis as soon as possible. And so again, I'll drive home one more point about diagnosis. Remember, the ovary gets two sources of blood flow. So you can see arterial flow, but that will not necessarily mean that the patient is not torsed. And the torsed ovary is generally much larger, often six times as large when you compare volume versus the normal side. The management is consultation with gynecologic surgery and detorsion and orchiopexy. All right, so that's it for this brief episode of my podcast. Remember, think about ovarian torsion in females, not just adolescents, school-age girls as well, with abrupt onset of lower abdominal pain and especially vomiting. 
Ultrasound is the diagnostic modality of choice. And remember, there still may be arterial flow on that ovary, even if it's torsed. If you've got time, check out PEMblog.com for more great pediatric emergency medicine educational content. Follow me on Twitter at PEMTweets, and I've got a Facebook page too if you're still using that thing. Leave a review on your favorite podcast site, drop a comment on the blog, shoot me a direct message on Twitter. Any way you want to send feedback in my direction, I'd appreciate it. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.